Hey everybody, welcome to today's edition, No Hope Radio. Got a good topic today. You know, we're going to realize that as far as the Christian life goes, we're all in this together. Think about it. God has created a community. We're a Christian community. And that means that we're all in this together. Sometimes we have strengths, and it's good to have strengths, but they can work against us. We can have capabilities, good to have capabilities, they can work against us. Even though we're supposed to be strong and capable. But sometimes in that strength, and in that ability, we have a tendency to uh, maybe go it alone, become a lone ranger type of Christian, and forsake the body of Christ. I know a lot of people, number one, they don't understand the body of Christ. Number two, perhaps they've been hurt by the body of Christ. So they have a tendency to go out on their own, and they disassociate. You know, that's like the little lamb leaving the flock. There's safety in the flock. When you leave the flock, Satan goes about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And you know who he devours? The one that has wandered from the flock. So it takes a lot of character to stay with it. it takes humility. It takes understanding your mission, God's plan for your life, okay? So no matter what, you got to remember, we're all in this together. And we're going to talk today about the Apostle Paul. Now, he was obviously a strong and capable man. He was very, he had fortitude. Oh, yeah, the stuff he went through, he never quit, never gave up. He had mental fortitude, and he had great faith. He never gave in to the temptation of taking too much upon himself or the other temptation of taking nothing upon himself and just say, you know what? I am done. You ever say that? I'm done. I'm done with the Christian life. You ever say that? Well, thankfully, Paul didn't. And his habit of sharing responsibilities of ministry with a trusted team of leaders it shows up in nearly all of his epistles to the churches. He always talks about his co-laborers, the people that he depends on, the people that work with him. And he's giving us a good example of how to serve in the kingdom of God. So we'll first go to Titus chapter 1 and verse 4. And Paul said to Titus, my true child and a common faith, Grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Savior. In those days, they always put the salutation in the beginning of the letter. We put it at the end of the letter. You ever wonder why? Like, you get a letter, you got to read the whole thing before you figure out who wrote it. Unless you go to the end of the letter, you figure out who wrote it, then you read it. Well, in those days, they put the salutation in the beginning. He said in verse 5, For this reason... I left you in Crete. Crete was a little island off the coast of Greece. 
He said, for this reason I left you in Crete, that you would set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I directed you. So what is Paul doing? He's emphasizing the principle of teamwork. You can't go it alone. Titus, I want you to put a team together. I want you to assemble some men that are spiritually astute. They love God, and they can they'll get it together. And Paul has his own team. Titus is on his team. Okay, Paul never, I don't know where he ever went somewhere alone, except when he first got saved. He went to Arabia by himself. After that, he was always with people. So he writes this letter to Titus. Let's take a look at this guy, Titus. Who is he? Well, he was saved through Paul's ministry. Paul considered him a close friend. He was a good man, a capable man. He was tactful, resourceful, skillful. He's the kind of a guy that Paul said, Titus, this is what I need. And Titus is like, boom, consider it done. Man. Every church needs people like that. Every church needs people that say, consider it done, rather than, why do you want to do that? Why do we have to do this? Why are you asking me? (laughs) Consider it done. He was sent to Corinth to transact a difficult and delicate work there. And Paul wrote in a letter to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 8, verse 23, he said, As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker among you. Boom, Saul's team. You see, he accompanies Paul. He accompanied Paul to Galatia. He accompanied Paul to Ephesus. He brought contributions to the saints in Jerusalem. He was sent to Dalmatia. Paul put him to work in Crete to finish the work that was there. So I want you to see, man, when you go it alone, what does Solomon say? A three, a three stranded cord is not easily broken. Right? He said one alone can be cold, but two together can have heat. So that's why teamwork, you got to consider the body of Christ. You got to consider even the local church. The local church needs team players if it's going to accomplish everything that God has given it to do. When Titus got to Crete, he would receive Paul's co-workers, send out and supply Paul's co-workers, ordain elders in the cities in Crete. See, he was the kind of a guy that wasn't afraid to step up and assume the responsibility. Paul said, Titus, I'm going to lay it on you. And Titus is like, consider it done. There was no being in the comfort zone for Titus. He was never, he was like, whatever he was given to do, he was in his comfort zone. You know, sometimes you say, well, if I do this, I'm out of my comfort zone. Titus was always in his comfort zone. You know why? Because his heart was willing and able and available. That's why. When your heart is willing able and available, you're always in your comfort zone. You're not being challenged to do something you don't want to do because you're already Mr. or Mrs. or Miss available. 
and whatever is needed, bang, you are there. That's a great way to live. It's very freeing. Now, obviously, the work was great. Here we are in the first century, right? Church is just getting off the ground. Oh, so many people wanting to know truth, and yet false teachers, man, they're all around, like termites, come out of nowhere. They're all over the place. So the work was great, but Paul had to move on to fulfill his own calling. That's why he needed other people to step up to the plate. See, Paul had a calling. And if he was going to fulfill what God gave him to do, he needed other people to carry on the work that he began. In Titus chapter 3, verse 12, he said, When I send Artemis, there's another guy, or Tychicus, there's another one. When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, make every effort to come to me at Nicopolis, for I've decided to spend the winter there. So what's Paul saying? I'm going to send two guys to replace you, Titus. It's like Titus did the work of two. They're going to come there, and you're going to come, and you're going to meet me. And then he said, diligently help Zenus, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way so that nothing is lacking for them. What does that mean? It means that give them what they need to travel. They might need money. They might need food, transportation, whatever they need. Supply their needs, Titus. See, Titus had a multifaceted ministry. And what was it? <laughs> whatever, the Paul, whatever Paul said to do. That was it. It wasn't like, well, that's not my job. Well, can't somebody else do it? No. Whatever you need, Paul, I am there. I'm the go-to guy. Let me tell you something. That was a phenomenal blessing to the Apostle Paul. Any team leader that has a go-to guy is really blessed. Any pastor that has a go-to guy is blessed. A worship leader that has a go-to guy is blessed. Anybody that's over a ministry and you have a go-to guy or gal, you're blessed because you can put so much responsibility on them and they'll accept it joyfully and you can go about your business. So Titus had to assimilate other workers for the kingdom and he did. Paul said in Titus 3.14, our people must also learn to engage in good deeds to meet pressing needs, so that they will not be unfruitful. All who are with me greet you. So he's saying, listen, we get to teach these people that need that they need to be engaged, they need to be helpful, they need to get their heads out of their own life and put it in the lives of other people. No more just living for yourself, but living for the people of God and their lives will be fruitful. That's what he's saying. You know how you have a fruitful life? Don't live for yourself. Live for someone else, and you will have a very fruitful life. You live for yourself, you'll have a fruity life. You live for others, you'll be fruitful. So he said, all who are with me, greet me. He's got his old team with him. And he said, greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. So, Paul, he's got, a, he's got a, a pretty good knack about him. He's pretty tactful. He's putting a lot of responsibility on Titus, but he's thankful at the same time. And he's graceful. He's not ordering him. He's not dictating to him. 
He's just telling him this is this is this is the way it is, Titus, and because of the kind of man that you are, I can be direct with you. And that's important too. He doesn't have to walk on eggs with Titus. He doesn't have to handle him with kid gloves. Titus, here's what I need you to do. No problem, boss. Consider it done. <laughs> so, as we read this account, we can only come to the conclusion. We're all in this together, whether it was 2,000 years ago or whether it's today. We all need each other. We all need to work together. No one is a lone ranger Christian. You know why? No one can do it all by themselves. No one can do it all that way. God has set us up to be communal. Didn't the Apostle Paul use the the example of the body? Right? We're all different parts of the same body. He said, if, if, if everybody was an eye, where would the hearing be? If everybody was a foot, where would the seeing be? So we have different body parts carrying out different functions. And every believer is a body part in the body of Christ. And every believer has a calling on their life and a function to carry out. And that's what will make your life fruitful. So God set it up in a way that we can all work together. He didn't set it up that we would be individualized, but that we would be communal in the church. So what do we see here? He said, our people must also learn to engage in good deeds, to meet pressing needs. These are urgent things. These are things that don't make an appointment. You know, there are needs that you can, okay, I'm going to get to that later. And then there are pressing needs where drop everything. We're going to take care of this right now. So needs come in different categories. Okay. So it's nice to have the spirit, the willingness to meet needs where they are, whether they're, I can do it tomorrow or whether it's urgent right now. And the end result, you become fruitful. Oh, you become fruitful for God. So he said, engage in notice good deeds. Now, you know that word good? It's the word kalos, and it means an observable good, a good that you can see. It's not an intrinsic good, like a good-natured person on the inside, but it's an outward display of good. Like when Jesus said in Matthew 5.16, let your good works shine before men. Have an observable good that people can see. Why? Because God will be glorified. So yes, we do produce observable good. And that's what he's saying. Engage in callous deeds, observably good. Let people see what men of God look like, what women of God look like, and what they do. Show it off to the world. That glorifies God. He said, pressing needs, like I said, necessary demands, urgent needs. So we have to have what one guy calls wobble room. Who was that guy? I think, I don't know, it might have been me. Wobble room in your life, where your life is not so structured that there's no room for something that's, let's say, unexpected. We can get very busy, can't we? Oh, yeah, man. Our days can be planned way ahead of time. But we've got to try to make sure that we can leave room for the unexpected. 
Leave room for traffic. Leave room for a phone call, somebody that needs to talk to you. Leave room if somebody needs a ride and can you help them out with that ride to bring them somewhere. See, just kind of leave room in your schedule to be available to people, okay? Because when people are pressing demands, they need it done right away. And that's why if you leave room, you can be a big help to them. There are things that people need. They don't make an appointment. They just, boom, happen right away, and there's no there's no getting around it until you address it immediately. So Paul is calling Titus because of that to enlist other people in the work. Titus, don't put it all on you either. You got to train up other people. You got to try to gather people together that have a spirit like you and a heart like you that are willing to step out of their own life into the life of another person because that's the Christian way of life. After all, Jesus stepped out of heaven, his life, and stepped onto earth, our lives. And I don't know about you, but to me, that's the biggest sacrifice, the biggest change. He did it. So I think we could follow even more so. Why? Because we're all in this together. That's the key. We need each other. We have to work together. How great when believers in the same church work together. How great when churches work together. See, how great when You know, people that all name the name of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We come together because that's the basis of our unity. And we can work together for the kingdom of God. Not divided, not separated, not pitted against each other. But we're all the body of Christ. And we have to see each other that way. We are not in competition. We ought to be working together because we're all in this together. And if we don't do this, you know what he said? You will be unfruitful. Yeah? No fruit for the kingdom. So think of it. Could you say that a life that is not employed in the service of God is an unfruitful life? Could you say that? Is it true? The word unfruitful, it means barren. It's the word kapos with an A in front of it. Kapos means fruit, but you put an A in front of it, and it means without fruit, or fruitless, or barren. Remember when Jesus found that barren fig tree? He cursed that tree, you stupid tree. Figs will never grow on you again. (laughs) That was it, because it was barren. It wasn't supposed to be barren, and he cursed it. So you don't want to be barren Christian. Okay, you want to be on fire. Remember those guys yesterday, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego? They were truly on fire for God, right in the furnace. They were, they weren't burning because the Lord was with them. There wasn't even any smoke in their hair because the Lord was with them. No smoke on their clothes, nothing. You couldn't even tell they were in the fire because the Lord was with them. You couldn't tell they were in the fire because they were already on fire. They were on fire for God. Strong in the Lord. That's the way we have to live. Strong in the Lord. Am I living my life out that way? Let me tell you something. We Most of us probably have more years behind us than in front of us. Therefore, make the best of what you've got left. Make the best of it. 
because every day it becomes shorter and shorter. Make the best of what you got left. Ask yourself, how can I be a Titus for the kingdom of God? How can I be somebody that wants to serve the Lord unconditionally? How can I be a go-to guy for my church? How can I do that? Or a go-to gal. Doesn't matter. We're not the, the discriminating here. Great men, great women, make the church go forward. How can I be that go-to person like Titus was? Well, I'm going to help you. Here's what you do. Look at your spiritual gifts and your talents. Your spiritual gift is that which you receive on salvation, at salvation. You have to discover it, you have to cultivate it, and you have to utilize it. Do you even know what your spiritual gift is? You've got to find out. Okay, That's why you go to church. Find out. You discover it, you cultivate it, and you utilize it. Okay? And then look at your talents. Your talents are what you're born with physically. Your gifts are what you're born with spiritually. So when you were a little bitty baby, you had born in you natural talents. Maybe a talent to sing, to draw, a talent in art, a talent in sculpting, a talent in designing, a talent in organizing, um, whatever it is. It's something you were born with. You can use that for the kingdom of God. Most musical talents are natural talents. Um, people are born physically with musical talents. The spiritual gifts have to do more with, and you can read 1 Corinthians, what is it, 12 or 14 and Romans 12, and there's lists of spiritual gifts there. Teaching, prayer, miracle working, uh, discerning spirits, um, helps, giving, all those gifts, abilities we didn't have until we got saved. So here's what you do. Write some down. Do you think you have more than one spiritual gift? Write it down. Do you have a talent? Write it down. Then, secondly, orient it. Are you oriented more toward people? Or are you oriented more toward tasking or doing? See, we're all different. Some are more people-oriented. Some are more doing-oriented. And they're both important. Okay? And then look at your passion. What do you have a passion for? Do you have a passion to help people? Do you have a passion to start things? Do you have a passion to finish things or repair things? You know, what's your passion? We're all different in that regard, too. Some like to start things. Some like to repair things. Some like to finish things. Look at the needs of the ministry. Consider your gifts, your talents, and your passions. And they can all be used for the kingdom of God. And that's going to make you fruitful. You won't be barren. Your life will be filled up. It certainly will. It'll be filled up. What we don't need in Christianity is boring Christian lives. Not a life on the planet that's a Christian need be boring. Not one. Why? Because God has equipped us. And God has given us an incredible privilege to make our lives count for him. He really has. That's why in Ephesians 4, Paul said, listen, God gave the church pastors and teachers and 
evangelists, for what? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry. This is why we go to church. We go to church not to be entertained. We go to church not for feel-goodisms. We go to church to be equipped for the work of the ministry because the world is lost and people are lost and they're dying without Christ. And we are the representatives, the body of Christ. We're the remnant of heaven that God left here on the earth to proclaim the message, to let people know that there's a God who loved them and a Savior who died for them. And he can deliver them. And he can give them a life far beyond what they could imagine, not only in heaven, but oftentimes on the earth as well. So I want you to think of those three things. Think of your gifts. You have at least one. Think of your talents. You have one. You do. Think about it. And then look at your passion. What motivates you? What do you, what gives you joy when you're involved in doing that thing? Is it being around people or is it being around things or an activity? It doesn't matter. Whatever fits you. And then you know what you do? You go full steam. Go full steam into it and say, God, show me. Lead me. Learn about it. Study it. Cultivate. See, a gift has to be cultivated too. We're not good at our gifts right away, just like a talent. We're not good at it. You got to practice it. Yes, we do practice our spiritual gifts and we get better and better and better at those gifts, just like you would a natural talent as well. So you go to God and say, God, turn me loose. I'm ready to go. And he will turn you loose. Want to be a go-to guy? Uh, Go-to gal? Oh, yeah, man. The church needs you. Oh, yes, it does. Don't think you're not needed. Don't think you have nothing to offer. God made you, you, just the way he likes you. That means you have a lot to offer. I want you to really think about that. Oh, that is so important for the fulfillment of life. It really is. Want to be fulfilled? That's what you do. Okay, that's it. NewHopeRadio.live. Join the Hope Club. We need you there, too. We need some partners. Help us out. You'll find out what we give you after you find out what you give us. We'll be a team when it comes to spreading the good news of Christ. Thanks for coming along. We'll see you next time.